Welcome back to Body Talk with Bex. This week, I have the first half of a two-part episode with Cameron. She's a lovely young woman on the other side of the U.S. who also has bladder extrophy. So I'm really excited to talk to her and let's just jump right on in to this episode. And so I think something that I've noticed talking to a few other people with bladder extrophy is that the parents don't really seem to know ahead of time that they're going to have bladder extrophy. Do you know if your parents knew or not? They didn't at all. My mom was very sick throughout the pregnancy. Mm. She went to the doctor, she got sonograms and ultrasounds and everything like that. And they were like, no, seems fine. You're all good. They did say a lot though. The doctors were like, if anything, she's just gonna be stunted. Like I would have like small limbs or just small in general, which I am, I'm only like 4'11", so I'm very small, but absolutely nothing. It was just a very bad pregnancy, she said, cause I have an older sister and she was like, no, nothing like that pregnancy at all so it was a shock when I came out they were like what is that and the doctors didn't even know what it was as it goes like that most of the time yeah yeah definitely so did you have a surgery right away to try to put it back so what happened was is that I was born and they were like oh my god and they didn't know what I was born in Staten Island. Okay. So they didn't know what it was. The hospital that I was at, it wasn't like a hospital that specialized in this. It was just a hospital on the island. So they were like, maybe it's like a birthmark or something. And then they were like, oh wait, that's her bladder. They I think it was the following day I was operated on. But again, they didn't know what that what they were doing. So they kind of just shoved it back in and sewed me up and from that moment like my doctor now even told me they were like whatever they did to you then prevented you from peeing normally or peeing vaginally like that was off the table at that point whatever they did to you just you couldn't do that anymore so I don't know what they did but they didn't know what they were doing right turns out they also said like oh don't keep her still and I moved around a lot and it came back out like a few days later. So you have a very similar experience then to, to Kylie. Yeah. <laughs> Kylie and I talk all the time. And when we were first going through this, she was like, oh my God, they're exactly the same stories. So I guess that just shows the importance of like, if you don't know what you're doing, maybe try to find a specialist who does know. That's what they should have done right away. And then... You know, eventually they were like, well, we don't know what we're doing. So let's send you somewhere where they do. <laughs> and that's when they recommended me to John Hopkins with Dr. Gerhardt. Oh, okay. How yeah. how far away is that from from where you are? 
So right now I moved to Freehold, New Jersey five years ago. It's about either exactly two hours or a little over two hours. Okay. It's from here. So it's not that That's far. not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's a car drive. I don't have to go on a plane yeah. or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. And I take it very different experiences than at this. Yeah. yeah. At John Hopkins. Very much so. They actually know what they're doing there. They have a whole team of doctors that specialize in it and they've been my doctors since. So a lot of the information, by the way, I'm saying like, because I was a baby, like it's very fuzzy. I only have like one distinct memory, but we could get to that later. So I asked my parents and because it was so traumatic and everything like that a lot of it like they even said they're like we blocked a lot of it out because it it was just so traumatic that we didn't want to like relive it but they did give me like some important information that I can share but I know they met with Dr. Gerhardt first and they he was so good he explained everything like they they trusted him immediately which is obviously what you want in a doctor and yeah he was like this is how it's going to be this is exactly what we're going to do ran them through everything. And I believe 11 months later, so in April, cause I was born in May. So it was April 2000, I had my surgery, like my reclosure that, like my second reclosure, the one that actually worked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then from that point on, besides like checkups here and there, I guess I, didn't have another surgery until I was 19. Okay. I waited a really long time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's a good thing though. I mean, if you didn't need a surgery. I mean, the thing is, it's like, okay, so I got the initial or the reclosure, you could say. And I basically was just wearing pull-ups or diapers until 2019 uh not 2019 sorry until I was 19 (laughs) and yeah so I didn't need the surgery obviously it would have been nice to get it sooner but even when I talk to my parents now they're like honestly it's so nice that you waited they put it on me they were like you you tell us when you're ready because that's what the doctor said they're like she's gonna tell you when She's ready to wear like little panties and everything like that. They waited until I said that I was ready. And I mean, it took like 19 years. That was the point where I'm like, I just want to close that chapter of my life. I just want it to be over. And I want to start, you know, being an adult as much as I can be because, you know, I still have some restrictions. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, just basically I wore pull-ups the whole time and then I can't really remember going back for checkups to be honest I mean yeah and maybe I blocked it out but I just I can't remember anything I was really just living with it until I was like yeah I'm over it I just I don't want to wear diapers anymore because it gets in the way of everything yeah so you just had a lot of like incontinence then yeah basically I was just incontinent and it was just a constant leak like oh that's frustrating yeah so I would change from like diapers or pull-ups like every 
honestly, even like just regular, if I didn't have this problem, it depends on how much you drink that day, what you're doing, everything like that. So if I was more active or if I was drinking more water, it, I would have to change more often. Whereas sometimes I'd be like, oh, it's been like four or five hours and I don't have to change because I'm just sitting here or like if it wasn't that I needed to, but it was frustrating a lot, especially growing up because you want to do like, they didn't restrict me from doing anything. I was just a person that didn't want to do anything. I would always cry if they put me in any programs or anything like that. But yeah, it was really hard, like going to pool parties or going to sleepovers because I couldn't wear certain things. And that sounds like so trivial but when you're a kid oh, it means it's the like the world matters. yeah it does the world like you just so many times especially like I want to say more like middle school and like early high school I would just like the summer was like my worst fear like I love the summer but I was like I hate this because I can't wear what I want and when I was invited to pool parties I would either be like so like I would go and get a bathing suit that I really like. And then I would cut like the little swimmer to fit the pull-ups. So I, w- so I was able to wear a bathing suit because at that time I couldn't not wear anything with a bathing suit because it would just run down my leg to be honest. Aww. Yeah. So now like I could kind of do it because I, I had a major surgery, but I still have to have another one. So I still do leak a little bit. And so you don't have to cath or anything like that. No, I do actually. (laughs) Yeah. So I have a Mitrofanov. So it's really cool. I pee out of my belly button. (laughs) That's the fun way to say it. But yeah, I'm right now on a schedule where I pee every four hours or as needed. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I love it. It's kind of weird to like look that because I feel like a lot of people in our situation would be like, oh, it's probably so annoying and it can be, but at the same time, it's like, it makes using public restrooms so much better. Oh yeah. You don't even have to sit down technically. I mean, <laughs> technically, I mean, you could, but I'm just like, nah, I'll just. just public toilets are gross yeah. anyways. You don't want to sit on those. <laughs> yeah. So it, it makes certain things easier. Like road trips are a little bit easier and just in general I don't know I like it so much better I mean I have like a weird scar like my belly button's a weird scar and everything like that but I just tell people that it's like a shark bite and they just leave me alone with it (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) I was having those nosy people and you're like yeah it's just a shark bite like it's nothing (laughs) yeah yeah I still have my scar I had my Mitrofnoff like reversed so I don't have it anymore but I still have like the giant scar from it. So, so I was confused with that because I was listening to your podcast and <laughs> I heard that you said that you got it reversed. So like, what's the situation now? If you don't mind me asking, yeah. like what? Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't cast at all. I'm fully continent during the day. I still have trouble at night. Okay. But otherwise I function normally now so (laughs) yeah so what at night do you wear like a pad or I have a lot of the I can't remember what they're called but they're like the waterproof pads for the bed for the mattress oh yeah so I put those down like under the sheets and kind of just lay around and yeah oh and I don't have trouble every night it's just some nights 
Wow. Yeah. That's so interesting. Like I've never met somebody with BE that was able to be like fully continent and like didn't have to cast. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that uncommon until I, until I started talking to more people about it. And yeah, I haven't met anyone else that is so. That's like, that's so good. I don't for know. You. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So I, when I was listening, like, I know that you went through a lot of surgeries too. Yeah. Lots of surgeries, lots of tests, things like that. Monitoring, you know, bladder growth and, you know, if I can feel things essentially, because a lot of times for females with bladder extrophy, we can't even feel when we're full and like when we have to go. And I did. And I think my mom talked about it. Like the very first doctor that I ever had didn't believe that that was possible. And so even though like I was telling her and my mom was telling her like, no, she can feel it. She has to go. Our doctor was just like, no, she can't. Yeah, yeah, it's super uncommon. Like your your situation is super uncommon to what I've heard because I can't really feel anything. It'll be I also okay, I should probably explain like my, my situation. <laughs> that would help. So when I got operated on, I got operated on in April of twenty nineteen. And basically they said to me, Your original platter is not usable back in i'm mixing this whole thing up that's okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm so sorry okay so what happened was that in january of 2019 i finally decided i want to go for my surgery i was going to be turning 20 the following year and i was like you know what it it's time so i went for a examination under anesthesia mm-hmm. and they examined me because it's been 19 years since they saw what was going on with me and they did a test where I don't know exactly what kind of liquid they used but they used some kind of liquid to fill up my bladder to see the capacity Mm -hmm. and while they were doing that it tore the bladder tore yes so what was supposed to be like a 30 minute procedure like we booked a hotel for one day and then we were going to leave the following day turned into like a week's stay wow so I I was so scared to go under anesthesia too because obviously it was my not my first time, but like remembering it right. was my first time. So I was already nervous as it is. So I was like, oh, it's just 30 minutes or whatever. Surprise. No. <laughs> and I woke up in I think like the ICU and I had like tubes coming out of everywhere like I had two tubes coming out of like around like my waist area like a little below my waist I had like a tube up my nose and down my throat oh my gosh <laughs> my legs were numb like I it was really really bad like I was so confused I was like what's happening because you you go in for one thing and then you come out and you're like what just right. happened so my bladder tore during the examination and they had to stitch it up and everything like that so I had to stay in the hospital so they could just like monitor that making sure that it was all okay but then obviously even though they sewed it up I noticed might have also been psychosomatic but I noticed that I was leaking more after that oh no yeah so like I was leaking pretty bad before but after that it was just so much more and again that could have just been in my head but so I was in the hospital for five days and 
basically they were just telling me like, okay, well, we're going to plan your surgery for April. So I was like, great. I have to deal with this for what? Like three, four months. months. (laughs) So I had taken off that semester of school. So that was like spring 2019 semester because I was in college when this was going on. So I just took off the semester because I was like, I, I know I can't do this in school. It's just not possible. So I, I don't want to say I dropped out, but I took a semester off and I was like, okay, just dedicated to medical. From January, just stuff that was going on in my personal life until honestly, September, I was in the biggest depression of my life. (laughs) It was pretty bad between personal stuff and medical stuff. And with medical stuff, it just kept getting worse. In between leading up to my appointments, my like actual surgical appointment, I would have to go to Hopkins for, I can't think of the name of it, like therapy basically, Mm -hmm. just to talk and see what's going on. And there was so much going on in my life at that point anyways. So I was just like, I need therapy right now. (laughs) And honestly, during the therapy sessions, I didn't even talk about anything to do with medical where like the, the doctor came out and they were just like, seems like she's completely okay with it. Like she's just dealing with a lot of other stuff right now. This isn't even like on her mind and it's true. It really wasn't. But then as it got closer, I got like really excited and everything, but also scared again. Cause I was like, what if something goes wrong again? Right. Being the experience I just had. So we get there and basically they tell me you're not going to be able to be incontinent like how you are or use a catheter vaginally. They're just like, it's not an option after like what they did to you in Staten Island. The only option is a Mitrofenov. So they explained to me what it was gonna be and um, went in for my surgery. I wound up having like seven other things done Mm -hmm. just because, you know, I haven't been there in so long that they kind of just took advantage of it. So being an 18 hour procedure. Oh my gosh. So I feel bad for my family on that one. They were just in the waiting room (laughs) for 18 hours. They were saying, they're like, we saw the screen and everyone's name kept like disappearing as in like, there was just a constant on the screen. (laughs) And my name just stayed there. It was the last one. (laughs) Of course, Cam, of course you take the longest. (laughs) But I had, so I have a neobladder because my other bladder was just gone. Like it just wasn't, it was too small. I don't, I don't think that it never grew, but after being torn, they're just like, we're just going to get rid of it. So I have a neobladder constructed of part of my large intestine and my appendix. So that means like when I cath, I really don't even feel it because you don't feel anything with your appendix really. Oh, that's weird. You can't even feel it. Like, okay. It's confusing because then when I have... So I'm on a four hour schedule right now. Say I lose track of time and I go five, six hours without peeing, which I have before. I'll get like really itchy around the area and like it'll look like red, like kind of like not hives, but kind of like the starting of a rash, like splotchy. Yeah. And like, oh, I should probably pee. It's been, oh, six hours. Yeah, I should probably pee. And I can feel that and I get like slight cramping where like, I feel like I'm going to throw up. But besides that, I don't feel it really. It'll be very occasionally that I'll get like a sharp pain and I'm like, oh, gotta pee. But I really don't feel it. 
which I guess is nice. In a way. I, I don't know the feeling. So it's like, you can't miss something that you don't have. Right. So there's that. So in the procedure, besides constructing my neal bladder, they made me the Mitrofenov and some vaginal stuff that had to be done just because, you know, I'm older and the whole area had to be fixed. And they made me ureters that I didn't have. And it's honestly a long list and I don't know exactly everything that they did, but that's like the gist of it. So came out of that and it was horrible. I mean, laying on a metal operating table for 18 hours ruins your back. (laughs) So I had really, really bad back pain for like months after that. Like I had an epidural in the hospital, so it kind of helped, but I was laying on my back for like, besides all those 18 hours, even when I got out, like I was in the hospital bed for, I think a week, I was bedridden for a week. And then I couldn't lay on my sides or anything like that or on my stomach. So I was just always on my back and took such a toll on my back that like, it was horrible. Cause even when I came home, I had two bags coming out of my sides. So while I was in the hospital, they were monitoring me and they were like, something's not right. Like you're still leaking. I was like, well, you would know you did it, you know? So it turns out behind my left kidney, there was an extra ureter hiding. So I have three ureters instead of two, like you should have. So I have three. Wow. (laughs) And they didn't see it. It's not their fault. I mean, they they didn't see it, you know? Only, I think like 13% of people have a third ureter. And of course I would fall in that 13%. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why I still leak because that's not attached to like anything, if that makes any sense. So it's still a leak. So I have a little bit of a leak still, nothing like how it was, like literally minimum to what it was, even like more than half. Can you get away with like just light days and stuff like that now? Like not wearing a pad, you mean? Yeah, like just wearing a pad or instead of like full pull-ups. Oh no, I wear pads, I wear like poise pads. Yeah. And I get to underwear which is super exciting sounds like weird saying that but it's very exciting to be able to wear underwear but honestly after wearing like a pull-up for so many years wearing a pad like it kind of feels like nothing changed but it's just a lighter output Mm -hmm. i don't have to change as often again depending on how much you drink and if you're on your period and everything like that but yeah i was going from changing like maybe like eight times a day or more to maybe four maybe less. So that's really that's nice. much less so, often. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was in the hospital and they found out that I had the third ureter, they're like, okay, well, we need to do something about it. They didn't want to start operating on me again right away because I was in no condition to go into another operation. I am very, you could see I'm very small as it is. I, before my surgery was the healthiest I ever was. I was don't judge me. I was 95 pounds. <laughs> that was healthy for me. I dropped to 77. Oh my gosh. So I was like a skeleton. I was like skin and bones. So I was in no condition yeah. to go under the nose again because you'd lose even more weight. Yeah. That's scary. Honestly, my parents were like, we know that you want this surgery, but 
be smart in making your decision because you are so sick right now, you might not make it through the surgery. Like they were just being real with me. And I was like, no, you're right. Like as much as I want it, it could wait. So that's kind of where I'm at now. They put a nephrostomy bag in. That's where it like connects to your kidney. Mm. I had a nephrostomy bag and a, I think it's called a Foley bag. I could be getting the terms wrong. I apologize in advance, (laughs) but um, so I had those two bags, one on my left, one on my right for from April to July. So that was pretty annoying because I couldn't enjoy my summer. Like I planned on doing, I was still held back from doing a lot of stuff. I was very, very sick that when I came home from Hopkins, I wound up just, I basically like, just laid in bed all the time. Like I didn't try to move. I didn't try to eat. Like I literally could not eat. And it was really bad because that was just making it worse. Right. I I would say, my sister still makes fun of me for it. I would say my body won't let me eat because I was just so, I think everything that was happening in my life at that point, I was so depressed that I was just like, yeah, I don't even know the word for it. I just wasn't there it's like it wasn't me it was a totally different person and like everyone says that they're like you weren't you for that amount of time however long that was but it was really really bad like I would look at myself in the mirror and I would just like be disgusted because I'm like this is so gross I hate this I hate my life right now and that's not like me like I'm usually a very like smiley person pretty like upbeat and I was just miserable every single day and it just I felt like nothing was getting better it got so bad that I wound up putting myself back in the hospital but I was at a local hospital this time because Hopkins was just too far at that point and it wasn't that bad that I needed to go to Hopkins I wound up just having a kidney infection that Mm. my pee was red oh it was bad from, from blood or from something else. It, I don't think it was from blood. I think it's just because I wasn't eating and I was, I wasn't drinking water. The was nutrition like so was just making it a different color. So wow. in my holy bag that I had, like it was, it looked like, I don't even know. Like it looked like fruit punch. That's what it looked like. (laughs) I'm just trying to think of something red, but like, that's literally what it looked like. And my parents were like, okay, this is not good. Like, let's get you to the hospital. So I went to a local hospital. They also didn't know what they were doing, but it was just a kidney infection. So it was like manageable, but I still had all my bags. So I had to like explain to them everything. And it was really bad. And I think that I was there for, it's hard to remember. I tried to like block that part out because it was really bad. I want to say like three to five days I was maybe there, maybe longer. It was just a whole different experience because Hopkins, I was in the children's wing, even though like I was 19, like I was still allowed to be in the children's wing. In my local hospital, they just put me in the adult wing. So it's like, you don't get like that care that you need. Like Hopkins, I would like if I needed something, I would like ring the little bell and like somebody would be there in like two seconds. This hospital, it was like, no, we're gonna take like an hour to get to you. So it was really bad. Basically what they did for me there, I think they put me on an IV to get some nutrition in Mm -hmm. me. And I started feeling better. After a few days, I was able to come home and 
yeah, after that, I was like, okay, I really need to start taking care of myself now. I need to eat. I need to drink. I need to try to move around. And then in July of 2019, I went back to Hopkins. They took out my Foley, my nephrostomy bag. And then they also started working on like vaginal stuff with me. So like dilation. I don't know if you had to go through that or not. I didn't have to go through dilation. Maybe because like you had work on you done from when you were younger and I didn't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, I've had work done down there, but I didn't have dilation. I'm not sure then, but I was, I had to go through dilation. Not a fun process. It doesn't sound (laughs) fun. I don't envy you at all. (laughs) I don't even want to explain it on here. Like I want to keep it PG. (laughs) Yeah. So I had to go through that. And after that, I was taken off of bags and everything like that. So I was not good because, you know, I was still struggling to gain the weight back. I honestly still am struggling to gain the weight back and it's been three years. Wow. But I just, I have a hard time gaining weight in general. Like it took me a long time to get to that 95 that I was at and I felt so good and then I lost it all. (laughs) So yeah, I was just kind of trying to regain any like strength or anything that I had until I had to go back to school in the fall. And then after that, it's kind of just been normal as much as I could say. I'm calfing every four hours. What else? Dilating when I need to. And I would just go back just locally. Like I go to a radiology place and I just have to get ultrasounds once a year on my kidneys and my bladder just to make sure everything's functioning well. Yeah. You're not on any medications or anything like that? No, for a while before, like leading up to the surgery in April, from January to April, I was on Miralax. Okay. It's basically just like this powder that you put in a drink and then it like helps you go to the bathroom. Okay. So I guess I was having a problem going to the bathroom, not realizing it, but now like it's really not a problem I think because they manipulated my like large intestine and stuff like that it's not bad anymore but when I was a kid a lot I would get constipated all the time Mm. I don't know if that's like a side effect with bladder extrophy or something like that but literally like my mom be like she would be like crushing up prunes and raisins and giving me anything to try to go to the bathroom because I would get like super sharp pains in my stomach because I just wasn't going Hmm. It might have just been a me problem. No, I've, I've talked to a few people now who have also had problems with constipation and pain in their stomachs. So I yeah, wonder. But since the surgery, it's been fine. So they also said after my surgery, they're like, it might take her a while to start her menstrual cycle again. So just, you know, monitor that. And, you're, and if there's any problems, let us know. Literally the next day I started my period. <laughs> I was like, nope, wasn't a problem. <laughs> So thank God like that whole reproductive. I haven't had any issues with that. Not any issues. Cause I know, I don't know any people personally with it, but it could be an issue. Yeah. So thank God it's not, I'm all, they said in that department, they're like, she can have children when she's ready. And I get my period. I just get really sick on my period, yeah. but I think that's more genetic. Cause I talked to my mom about it and she's like, no, I, I used to get really sick with my period too when I was your age. Like she would faint all the time from it. So it's happened. I've I've but fainted I'm, from my period before as well. So yeah. Bad. Like it's really bad. I think again, I think that's just like genetically an issue. 
But then there's some times that I don't even know that I have it. So I'm like, oh, but I'm wearing a pad anyway, so it doesn't even matter. Right. Lucky. <laughs> so let's see. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's like anything else that I'm leaving so out. So you haven't had that last surgery yet that you wanted to have? No, because I have my initial, like my, I like to call it my big surgery. So I had my big surgery in April, 2019. Once I was okay and healthy to go back for another surgery, I was going to schedule it, but COVID happened. Right. So that kind of threw a wrench in the plans, but it's livable. You know, it doesn't really restrict me from doing anything. I can wear a bathing suit without anything. I mean, there's a little leak here and there, but like, I'm okay with it. So unless I know I'm going right in the water, I won't wear anything with a bathing suit. But if I know that I'm going to be like hanging out outside the pool for a while, I'll like just throw on a pad with my bathing suit bottoms and it's not a problem. But yeah, so it it was very emotional the first time though that I put on a bathing suit and didn't have to wear anything with it because I always imagined that moment. And then I was finally able to partially do it. And I was like, oh my God, this is insane. I don't know. It's just like little things yeah. like that. Like even the first time that I cat, it was very emotional. I was like, oh my God, I'm peeing. <laughs> but like I'm controlling right. it. Sort of super emotional experience. But I've also had problems with cathing here and there. Like, especially when I first started, I had an issue literally the day I was coming home from the hospital. Like we were on our way home. We were at a rest stop and I was like, okay, like I have to pee. I was on a two hour schedule at that point. And I put in the catheter and it just wouldn't go in. Oh, God, I had a Foley bag. So I was able to just unhook it and pee like that. I had to do that a few times. But now, cathing is my only outlet. Like if I can't get the catheter in, it's a problem. So a lot of times I do have that issue. I had it like last month, I think, and not good. I remember the first time I couldn't get my catheter in, when I was off the bags, I freaked out. Turns out, and I think this also has to do with my large intestine being a part of my bladder now. I had, I'm sorry, this is going to be very gross. That's okay. <laughs> mucus blockage. Okay. Like literally like the size of my fist, maybe like both my fists put together. Wow. It was very large. And obviously, you know, the mucus is in the way you can't pee. And I went to my local hospital that had no idea what they were doing. And they were able to somehow extract the blockage through the catheter. Although I don't know how they did that because with a blockage like that, it was just insane. And then after that, they were like, okay, just keep like a catheter in your Mitrofenov and then just like cap it off. And then when you have to pee, just like open it. I took it out as soon as I came home. I was like, no way, I'm not doing this again. No. <laughs> and. I I think a few months after that, I had to go in for another blockage. But since then, it hasn't been something that I can't do at home where it's like severe like that. Every now and then I'll get a blockage, but it just takes me a minute to get the catheter in. But I literally freak out when that happens. Like I start having a panic attack. Like I start breathing really heavy. I start sweating. Like just my anxiety goes through the roof and I start crying and I'm like, oh my God. So usually what I do, even though like, not that she doesn't know what to do, but I'll like be like, mom, I need help. <laughs> and she'll just kind of like sit with me. And I don't 
Well, you don't cat, so, but I am very sensitive about like my, I call it a stoma, even though I know it's not, but my Mitrofenov area, I don't let anyone else cath for me, even if like need be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just like, I'm, I don't know why I feel like, unless it's like my doctors at Hopkins, cause like they know what they're doing. I don't let anyone else touch me unless it's an absolute emergency because I feel like I know what I'm doing over everybody else. So my mom's like, do you want me to? And I'm like, no, don't touch me, like, please. So she'll just kind of like sit there with me and like breathe with me. And I don't know if this makes sense, but I have to like calm down my bladder to be able to get the catheter in. And that is one of the hardest things to do when you were so nervous like that. It takes at least like 10 minutes of me just like sitting there with cramps from not peeing. And I'm like, okay, I need like, it's just the worst thing in the world. And then when it finally goes in, I'm like, get the saline and start pumping it in. Like, yeah, cleanse it. (laughs) It's very like stressful. Like even like talking about it, I feel like I'm getting anxiety, but it hasn't happened in like a little over a month. So I think we're okay. it's literally one of the scariest things that happens. I don't know if like anyone else can relate to that. I know I talked to Kylie about it and she's like, I hate it so much. It's the scariest thing in the world, but that's my only outlet. Yeah. So it's not like I could be like, okay, I'll just sit on the toilet. I can't do that. Right. <laughs> so that's the only other like scary thing that I deal with. I just, I hate that yeah. feeling. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like right now you have a good system with your mom. Like even just that emotional support of just like, you're here with me. I'm still going to do it, but you're here with me. And that makes me feel calmer and more like I can handle it. Yeah. yeah just like, I need the support. Yeah. <laughs> but I think just mentally, like, I don't want to say this, like the whole medical messes with you mentally, it honestly matures you, but it also like could mess with you a little bit. And I feel like I'm just have more anxiety because of it and everything like that. Like before I was going into my big surgery, I was obviously freaking out because I'm like, oh my God, what if what happened the last time happens this time? So my sister, my mom, my dad were sitting in the pre-op with me and I was just crying to them. And I'm like, I don't want to sound mean or heartless when I say this because they were always there for me. They were my biggest support system and they still are, but you don't get it. You don't know what I'm going through. Yeah. Like nobody gets it because I didn't meet anybody with bladder extricate until I met Kylie, which was after my surgery. No, it was after I was operated on, but it was in April of 2019, but I never met anybody. I was never in support groups for it. I never went to any like picnics because they have some of those sometimes. Didn't know anybody else with this condition. I literally thought I was the only one. So when you meet somebody and you're able to talk to them, so many things with Kylie, I was like, oh my God, you get it. And she's like, yeah, of course I get it. Like we have like the same story almost. And I was like, but no one ever gets it. No one ever understands what I'm saying. So I actually, my sister found Kylie for me when I was being operated on. They felt really bad about what I said. And my sister researched like bladder free support group or something like that. And her parents camp came up. And she emailed Kylie and Kylie was on mission at that time in, I think she was also in Maryland. So it was really cool, but she couldn't come see me, which is totally understandable. But we wound up meeting up 
like two months later. And honestly, I haven't seen her in person since, but we talk like every week. So, but it was, it was so nice to finally have someone understand what you're going through because for 19 years, I felt like I was on my own. Yeah. And it was just the hardest thing in the world because you've probably had it too. I mean, you have good days and you have bad days even now. Yeah. But especially when you're a preteen, you have a lot of bad days. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Like a lot of times because I was wearing pull-up, my middle school, we wore uniform and we wore khaki pants. A lot of times I would wait until lunch to go to the nurse's office and change and everything like that. And not realizing it, I would leak through my pants. Oh no, yeah. Khaki pants, you obviously could see because they're very light and it was not good. Severe anxiety. Again, like I would try to like tie like something around my waist. I'd try to like make my bag, like cover my butt. Like it just, between that and everything, it was just such a mess. Like I think back on it and I'm like, how did I do that for 19 years? Even in high school, I didn't have to wear a uniform there, but still like, I would still wet through my pants, you know? Now I still wet through my pants with a pad. Like you don't realize and you're like, oh my God, I'm like leaking a lot. But yeah, I understand that. I always had a sweatshirt or a jacket I could tie around my waist. I had to learn to just always do that. Yeah, Just always keep a sweatshirt or something with me because in the event you tied around your waist. But then there's always like, maybe because I'm crazy, but there was always that fear in my head. I'm like, oh my God, they could smell it. Like, I feel like you could smell it or someone's going to see it and they're not going to understand. Then I have to be like, oh, I just sat in water. Right. Water dries a lot quicker than pee. So yeah, always like dealing with that situation too was just annoying. Yeah. I mean, in, in elementary school, I feel like you could get away with it to a certain degree. It's like, oh no, I wet my pants, but like you're in elementary school. So like, yeah, you know, but once you get to middle school, it's not how it is. Right. You know, it's like, what's wrong with you? Why are you wetting your pants? Right. So in elementary school, a lot, like I mentioned, like I went to the nurse, but K to fifth, my mom, like during lunch, she would come to the school. I'd go to the nurse. She'd change me and like freshen me up and everything. And then I'd go. So like, I always like was at the nurse. And then when I hit middle school, she was like, okay, I'm not going to come take care of you anymore. Like you have to do it. I was like, okay, like I'm old enough now. It's fine. So I would do the same thing. I would go to the nurse during lunch. The nurse knew, obviously the school knew like the school, the principal and everything was aware. And I would go take care of myself and leave. And I did the same thing in high school. My middle school and high school were actually like the same building. Okay. Yeah. So the same nurse. So the nurse knew me for like what is that? Seven years. So it was really nice. I would just like go and I'm like, Hey, like, I'm just, she's like, go, you're fine. Just go. (laughs) Except for when there was like a substitute nurse, then I had to explain. And then things got really weird and they never believed me half the time. And I was like, just let me use the bathroom. Like, I don't know why you're being like this. So I don't know. New Yorkers. They would have like (laughs) briefed the substitute nurse or whatever. Right. Yeah. We have this one student. <laughs> Just let her use the bathroom. Yeah, I mean, a lot of kids would go into the nurse at lunch, like who had like diabetes and had to take like insulin or whatever else. And I would just go in to use the bathroom. And I had like a cubby where I'd keep like a bag with like extra stuff in it. And a lot of times, especially when the nurse wasn't there, 
like a substitute nurse was in, they would lock the cabinet. Mm-hmm. So like no one could go on the cabinets. So I would go to get my stuff and the door would be locked. I'm like, can you unlock this? And they'd be like, why? And yeah, it was just, I feared those days. I was like, oh my God. I remember one time I, the nurse didn't believe me. I kept my stuff in the cabinet and I was like, can you unlock the cabinet for me? And she was like, well, you have to show me like your stuff. So like, I believe you because like, I'm having a lot of kids in here today say that they need to use the bathroom. So I literally had to, I, I used like a, like a purse, like lunchbox thing. Mm-hmm. So I zipped it open and I showed her and I'm like, look, and I pulled them out. And I was like, look, like it's a diaper. I have to wear it. And she was like, oh, okay. And she walked out of the bathroom. I cried in that bathroom for like 20 minutes and like snuck out of the nurse's office because I was just like, why, why did she have to do that to me just now? Yeah. That's so shaming. I was like, I come in here every day and she's, she didn't believe me. And I'm like, you literally made a kid cry because you are being ignorant. Yeah. Like I just, I can't. And I, I don't remember, I didn't tell my parents about that. I like refused to. So when they listen to this, they'll hear it and they'll be like, what? Why didn't you ever tell us that? Yeah, that was like the worst experience that I had at school. But no one knew at school. Like I kept my life private. Like my parents, they wanted to keep my medical and my social life or my school life. They just wanted to keep that separated. And I understand. So I didn't tell anybody. So when I would go to the nurse, my friends, like in more so in high school, they'd be like, why do you go to the nurse? And I'm like, oh, I just have asthma. <laughs> That was my excuse. I was like, oh yeah, I have asthma. I just got to like take my inhaler or whatever. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I just liked keeping things private because my mom would always tell me this and it's not necessarily true, but growing up, you know, kids could be really, really mean. Yeah. Especially in a situation like this, where it's like, you're very vulnerable in this situation, especially as a kid you are. I just didn't want anyone to like tease me for it or treat me different because of it. So my mom was like, what people don't know, they make fun of. Yep. So I was like, yeah, I mean, they were protecting me. Rightfully so. I mean, I would do the same thing. So no one ever knew. It was only family, obviously, principals and my teachers. And that's it. I didn't start telling people. I told my best friend in high school. But it took me until our junior year to tell her. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and then when I told her, she was like, why didn't you tell me sooner? Like, I could have been there for you, like, when you had, like, an issue and stuff like that. Because I would literally, like, if I felt like I went through my pants in high school, I'd be like, can you check me? Like, can you, (laughs) you know? And she'd be like, yeah. And if she was like, yeah, you did. She was like, okay, like, I'll stand, like, close behind you until, like, we get to your locker to find, like, another pair of jeans for you. And so... She's like, I could have been there for you in situations like that. And I was like, I'm sorry it took so long. It's just, I mean, you have to understand I was scared. And she's like, no, like, totally. Like, I completely understand. And then uh, she was the only friend of mine that knew until, honestly, she's the only friend that knew. I didn't start really being vocal until after my surgery. Mm-hmm. So you have friends now that you have that know? Yeah. Friends are aware now. My boyfriend's aware. His parents are aware. Yeah. I'm just a lot more open about it because it's like, I don't know if this makes sense, but like it, I feel like it was a lot more judgy in the other situation that I was in than it is now. Yeah. I don't know if it makes sense. No, that, no, that makes sense. 
Yeah, it's like I'm 18 years old and I'm wearing a diaper. Whereas like now it's like, okay, well, I'm 23 and I just pee on my stomach. Right. And it's really cool. <laughs> it's a party trick. <laughs> That's actually how I told my boyfriend about this. It was so funny. Like I, I told him, I was really nervous because my past relationship, I was kind of rejected because of this, but this was also prior to my surgery. And it was just a whole issue and kind of like judgment. So I was like, you know, you, you hurt from that. Right. So I just told him straight out, like, I think it was our third date or something like that. We were about to go on our third date. And I called him and I was like, hey, I need to tell you something. And he was like, okay, what's up? And I'm like, so I have a medical condition where I pee out of my stomach and I pee at the time. It was like every two hours. So I was like, I have to pee every two hours. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And he's like, so what food are we getting today? <laughs> I was like, of course, <laughs> of course. And then that's when I knew I was like, he's a keeper. Yeah. <laughs> so literally that was his response. And it was the best response I could have asked for because he was just like, I don't, not that I don't care. Cause obviously he cares. Like he's on me about, he's like, it's four hours, go to the bathroom, go pee. So I'm like, thanks. But he was just like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't really matter to me like that. You're still you. I still really want to go out with you. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. And I'm like, where did you come from? <laughs> a lot of people aren't like that. Yeah. That's so, great. Thank you. So supportive. He is like, I talked to him a lot about it. Like still, like I was telling him about the podcast and he was really happy about it. And I was just like, yeah, it just feels good to like talk about it. And again, he's on top of me, like in certain situations because like his friends don't know so when we go out with his friends like I'm very like try to like keep that stuff like very like private and if for some reason like it come not comes up in conversation but I'm like oh I have to go to the bathroom or something and I take a longer time he'll just like make up an excuse for me because it takes me a little bit longer to use the bathroom yeah. being that I have to count everything so or if there's like a problem like say like I can't get the catheter in I'll just like go up to him. I'll be like, we need to leave. And he'll be like, okay, like, let's go. Or anytime we go on vacation, he's like, I made sure there's a hospital really close by in the event anything happens. So I was like, thank you so much. Like I, I couldn't ask for anything better, yeah. basically. Like it's like the perfect scenario. That's wonderful. So. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Body Talk with Bex. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts at. Also consider becoming a patron on patreon.com. We just rolled out some new great stickers. They're also available on the website. If you would like to share your story or know someone who does, I can be contacted through my website, www bodytalkwithbex.com or on social media and of course tune in next week to hear the second half of this conversation with Cameron. Thanks for listening.